Now, the next next thing I want to bring out, the difference between reputation and character. We need to discern the difference between reputation and character. What is reputation? Reputation is what people think you are. It's what people say, oh, Joe Webb is this or Joe Webb is that. Uh, they may not really know me. That's my reputation. Whereby character is what you really are. Now, you know what you really are. I know what I really am. I'm not always pleased when I know what I really am. It's like Abraham Lincoln, some man when he was president, some man came to him and said, did you hear what such and such over here in the government said about you? He said, did he say that? He said, yeah. He said, well, then I really need to be considering because he's a pretty practical and knowledgeable man. But he said, you know, really, if he knew everything about me that I know about me, he would even say worse things. He knew the difference between reputation and character. It's so easy sometimes for us to just keep up that facade and say, well, I, I really don't want people to know what I am inside. You know, the Word says we're supposed to be transparent with one another. Really be open to one another. Not just know each other by reputation, but know each other's character. To where if someone came and said, Skip Plutzer did thus and such, you'd know him in such a way you'd say, I don't believe that. If it happened, it was a total mistake, and he'll be the first one to admit it. But I just know his character, and that's not, that's not Skip. I know what he's really like. I don't know just his reputation. I've known that guy. I've seen him in the thick and the thin and the hard and the good and the bad and all the rest of it. I know that he's steady. I like what one pastor said one time. Someone said that they knew the pastor did thus and such, and when the pastor heard it, he said, well, all I can tell you is I've been here so long that they don't know me any better than that, and they've got problems. Because I know what I will do and what I won't do, and I wouldn't do what they said I did. I want you to see a couple of verses to see the importance of knowing the difference between reputation and character. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. See, some people think they're getting away with something before the Lord, but I want to tell you something. God's not the least, uh, I mean, he, He's not fooled the least bit by our reputation. Jeremiah verse, chapter 17, beginning with verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath. Now that's a stunted shrub out in the desert. The heath. He'll be like a stunted shrub. He'll be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, and not inhabited. Now that's the man that trusts in the flesh. That's how he's going to end up. Then he says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, what? Search the, and I try the, the reins. You know what a rein is on a horse? I search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, not his reputation, to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. God says, I look on the heart. I don't look at the outside. I know what's going on in your thought processes. So don't try to jive me, God says. 
You're not going to jive me with your good words and dancing around. I know what's in your heart. I know what the attitude is. I know what your intentions are. I know your thoughts are far off. It's amazing how people begin to try to reason with God. If God's word says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, all the more as you see that day approaching. Some people say, well, Lord, you know, I, I would like to, but you know, I've got these other things that are on my heart, right? God says, I don't want to hear it. You know what the word says. Obey my word. Well, Lord, I would, I know I'm told I'm supposed to love my wife, but but, but you know, and he says, that's selfishness on your part if you won't do it. Don't talk to me about anything. I know it's your heart's full of selfishness. I had a program today where they were talking about on, on a television, I was grabbing something to eat and, and sitting down for a few moments and, and turned it on. And this was a husband and wife that were talking and the wife says, I wish my husband would give more time to the children and me. And the man was sitting there saying, I, I have a schedule, and if they can't fit into that schedule, that's tough. From 5 o'clock in the morning until 8 in the morning, I'm at the health club. I don't want to be bothered. I'm at the health club. At 8.30, I have to be at my job. I come, I, I come home in the afternoon at 5 o'clock, and I want to be able to read my paper and get everything done until 6. And at 6 o'clock, I want my supper. And after supper, I've got this and this and this and this. He says, in there, I try to keep a half an hour for the family. And he thought that the wife was very much out of line to even complain about that because he says she wants needs finances and I'm a working man and so I want my time and I everything was me and mine and myself and God looks on the heart. He knows what the attitude is there. First Samuel chapter sixteen. Remember the story of Samuel when he went to uh, to anoint the new king. He went to see Jesse, and every time he saw one of the sons of Jesse, he said, this must be the guy. I mean, he's big and stalwart, and he looks strong, and he looks powerful. He'd be a tremendous leader. God finally had to speak to Samuel, let him know something there in verse, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on what? The heart. I want you to see that again. It doesn't make any difference how we dress. And most people will spend a lot more time on Sunday morning making sure that everything is okay on the outside than they are on the inside before they come to church. Peter Lord in some meetings over at Loma Baptist Church not too long ago, he says, I don't know very many women that won't spend at least 20 minutes on their hair, and I don't know how much time they spend on their makeup. But very, very few of them will spend that much time on making sure that their heart is right with God before they go out of the house in the morning. And I thought, you know, we're so concerned about what other people think about us, but we need to be more concerned about what God thinks about us on the inside. Our true character. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. First Chronicles, the 28th chapter, and verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him, this is David talking to his son Solomon, uh, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts, now get this, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts knoweth all the imaginations of the thoughts. He knows the things that even formulate your thoughts. 
The things you're imagining before you bring something into focus, God knows it's happening before it ever happens. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Isn't that incredible? The Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. And I just want to ask you tonight, what's the difference between your reputation and your character? God's not the least bit interested in our reputation. He knows that if we have the right character, the reputation will take care of itself. And we can go all through life having a wonderful reputation. And I really believe that one of these days when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked. There are going to be a lot of people that we think are going to be at the very top or in the front of the line when the rewards come that won't even be there. And there'll be some that we wouldn't have thought were even noticed at all that are going to be at the front of the line. How many of you know that's true? See, God knows who's faithful. And there'll be some people who have never made an impact as far as the world is concerned, but they've made an impact as far as God is concerned. I know I may be prejudiced. I know Jeff didn't get, a, didn't get to accomplish a lot of things here on earth, but I believe Jeffrey is going to be rewarded for his faithfulness and for the imaginations of his heart. He would lie on that bed in his room hour upon hour and come out saying that he, the Lord showed him this about the Word and that about the Word. And one of these days, Daddy said, when I get ready to write, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. His heart was totally given to the ministry of the gospel. He didn't get to do it. But when David couldn't build the temple, God says, but because you purposed in your heart to build it, I'm going to give you, count it to you for righteousness as though you did build it. God looks at the imaginations of the heart, and his imaginations were constantly on the things of God. And I want to tell you something. If you think that it's going to be the big guys that are going to get all the rewards, I've got news for you. God's got a lot of big people that the world doesn't even know. He knows those that are faithful to him, and he's going to reward them for their faithfulness. The next thing that I want to discern and try to close this off very quickly is the difference between reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God. There are a lot of people that are concerned about getting through so much Scripture. And I want to tell you, it's good to get through the Scripture, read through the Bible. I encourage you to do that. But it's even more important to find out how much Scripture gets through you. And that won't happen unless you learn to meditate on the Word. And if you don't know how to do that, I would encourage you to write, when you're studying, reading a portion of Scripture, say, Lord, I want you to give me one verse for today. And then take a little card and write, and, and everybody should, every fellow should have cards in his pocket like this, you know, and, and pull that card out and, and write down that verse. I did that for, that's a private joke between me and some of the men that work on the platform with me that always have cards here so you can write notes for the platform. But uh, write that verse down and take it with you. And if you stop at a stoplight, look at it and say, Lord, speak to me from this verse. How can that apply to my life? Give me truth out of this verse. And when you have lunchtime, Take time and just look at it again and just keep, try to memorize that verse and think it over and over again. And then when you go back to the Word some other time, get your concordance out and find out how many other ways it's used. That, that, those, that phrase or those thoughts are used throughout the Scripture. Meditating on the Word and God will begin to bring insight and light to you from it. From, from meditating on Joshua 1.8 is one of the, my favorite verses I'll start with verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy what? Not your eyes, not your ears, but out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate, there's that word, meditate, therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. The two things, meditate on it. Why do you meditate on it? So you'll understand it and then be a doer of the word. Not just a hearer, but a doer. Jesus said it's not the hearer of the word, but the doer that's blessed. And he said the one that brings forth much fruit of the, of the different ones that have the different talents, he says, is the one who, hearing the word, does the word. So he said, first of all, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then, here's the result, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Someone said that for believers we should never go around saying, is it wrong to do this? Is it wrong to do that? How many of you know that's a good way to get out into carnality? How far can I go and still be a Christian? How close to the world can I walk and still be considered a Christian? The question to ask is not, is it right or is it wrong? The question is, is it profitable for me as a Christian to allow this in my life as I meditate on the Word? Is it really profitable to me? Will it strengthen me, make me stronger in the things of Christ? Will it make more Christ more precious to me? Will it draw me closer to Christ than, it has other, than, any, than not to do it or to do it? Which is going to be the most advantageous for me? Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Psalm 1, verse 2. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Is it profitable to meditate on the Word? More profitable than just reading it, thinking upon the Word, cogitating it, chewing your cud. Now that gets right down to where I come from, because in the farming country of Nebraska, I used to stand there and watch the old cows go around grazing, and then pretty soon they'd lay down and they got four stomachs and they'd eat that grass and roll it into a ball and swallow it into their first stomach. And they were too busy. They wanted to make sure they got enough for, the, for their food for the day so they'd get all they possibly could and fill that first stomach. And then when they'd lie down, they'd bring a ball of that up and they'd chew it and chew it and chew it and masticate and chew it and chew it and, chew it and swallow it and put it in the other stomach. Now that's meditating. Taking what you have and just chewing it up completely, just devouring it completely, tearing it apart, getting all the good out of it you possibly can. He said, well, I can't get very much good out of it. But remember, even a baby drinks a bottle and doesn't know what's in it, but drinking it causes it to grow. And when you feed on the Word, it calls it the milk of the Word you start with. But after a while, you're going to say, you know, this is delicious, but I, when I see the rest in the church chewing on meat once in a while, I'd like to have a little protein. And then you begin to learn how to meditate on the Word and divide the Word and separate the Word and take it apart and put it back together again and God begins to give you revelation. That's the way you and I are going to mature. You know why a lot of people don't find it interesting to study the Word? Because they read the verse and say, I didn't get anything out of that. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of courses in college if I just read the book, I didn't get anything out of it either, but they made me break it down and outline it and then go to the dictionary and find out what some of the different words meant. And why did they say it that way? And then, then begin to 
try to memorize the, the structure of the whole, and before long I found, boy, there's a lot of truth in here that I never understood before. God wants us to know the difference and begin to experience the difference between reading the Word and meditating or studying the Word. One other portion of Scripture is found in Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 is absolutely full concerning the Word. Psalm 119, first verse is 15. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 23. Princes also and uh, sit, excuse me, princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Oh, they're saying all kinds of evil things against me, but I don't care about it. I'm just going to meditate in the word. Verse 48. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Then back to verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Now let me tell you something. You can't hide the word in your heart unless you meditate on it. Begin to memorize it. What's the end result of hiding the word in your heart? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The difference between reading the word of God and studying the word of God. May God give us discernment to understand the principle, the difference between biblical principles and the ways of the world and the ways of those who profess Christianity. We're going to have to have discernment in these last days because the church is going to be filled with tares along with the wheat. And you can't expect the pastor to have all the discernment. The believers have to have discernment. And you're going to hear a lot of people shouting and screaming about all the revivals and things that are going on. I want to tell you something. The Most of the revival I see today is so shallow, you couldn't even get wet if you fell in it, flat, on, flat into it. There's going to have to be a deep, convicting power of the Holy Spirit before we're going to see a real Holy Ghost revival in the United States. And that's what we need to have take place in the church today. On anything else. I have people calling me right now where their homes are breaking apart. I'm talking about men who have been in the ministry, in leadership, and things are falling all apart. And when you try to talk to them about the Word, they just almost get nervous or antagonistic. They don't want to talk about the Word. I want to tell you something. There is no other answer to today's problems but the Word of God. Nothing else is going to make a salute, give a solution outside the Word of God. Once we bow to the Word of God, it doesn't make any difference what I feel or what I think or how I want to react. What does the Word say? If I'll respond to that, a hearer and a doer of the Word, then my ways will be blessed. Whatsoever I do will prosper. I don't know about you, but I want to prosper. I want to prosper. Not just I'm not just talking about the material way, but that comes along with it. I'm talking about spiritually. I want to prosper. God help us to have that discernment. Father, we lift our hearts up to you tonight and thank you for the promises in your word. Thank you for the word of God. And I thank you for every person that's here tonight because I know they're here because they have a hunger for the things of God. And I know these lives here, Lord, that they desire to please you. And this is why you keep laying it on my heart to keep emphasizing the fact that we must be prepared in these days realize that there's a lot of things out here that's being called religion, a lot of these things that are being called Christianity, but you said in your word that it's another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel.
And I pray that we'll have discernment to understand what it means when we say Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world who died for our sins in our place. And we'll know what it means when it talks about being able to meditate on the Word and hide it away in our hearts and be totally submitted to the authority of God's Word. I just thank you for the privilege of being able to have this Word in our hands and I pray that we will hide it in our hearts and because of it our homes will be established. And our lives will be fruitful and productive. You said, then will we prosper. And then will we make our paths right. We just thank you for this promise. And we ask that you would appropriate it into our lives tonight. That we'll have a new determination that Jesus Christ and his word are going to rule and reign in our lives in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen.